This is the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. And now, Hands-On History with Heather. Hello and welcome to Hands-On History with the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. My name is Heather Darcy. Some of you might know me from my research into Anna of Cleves. I am the author of Anna, Duchess of Cleves, the King's Beloved Sister, and also the forthcoming Children of the House of Cleves, Anna and Her Siblings, which will be out in June of 2023. And I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Alexander Ames, the Associate Curator of the Rosenbach Museum and Library. You might have heard the name Rosenbach before because it is, of course, the Rosenbach portrait of Anna Cleves that is on the cover of my book. Welcome and thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm really delighted to have the opportunity to be here with you. Thanks for having me. How did you come to work at the Rosenbach? Well, I, I sort of like to think that I was you know, foreordained to end up um, in a curatorial role at the Rosenbach. Of course, that's all with uh, 2020 hindsight. But um, you know, when I was young, uh, living in rural Minnesota, I grew up in sort of the north woods of, of Minnesota, I developed a passion for rare books and manuscripts and historic house museums. And as I pursued my education first in Minnesota and then on the East Coast, I really wanted to find a professional environment that would combine my interests in the in the in the world of uh, book collecting and her books and archives with the world of historic house museums and the fine and decorative arts and even though these are very closely aligned areas of professional and scholarly interests uh, there aren't that many institutions that really bring those worlds together and put them in conversation with one another well one of those institutions is the rosenbach in philadelphia which is an historic uh, Philadelphia townhouse filled with rare books, manuscripts, uh, as well as fine and decorative art collections. And when I was uh, in graduate school at the University of Delaware, I had the good fortune to be able to intern at the Rosenbach in the collections department, working closely with our, our curator and director of collections, our librarian and our registrar, among other uh, professionals. And um, had a great experience working on an exhibition project with them that over the years kept me involved with the institution. And after I finished my graduate education, um, I was fortunate enough to emerge from graduate school right as a position opened up in the collections department. And I was even even more fortunate to to land that position. And I've been uh, working at the Rosenbach full time now since uh, September of 2018. So I'm just about four years into my into my career at the Rosenbach. What's a day of work like for you? Uh, Very diverse. Uh, always very exciting and sometimes a little unpredictable. You know, one of the wonderful things about working at an institution like the Rosenbach, which is a smaller museum, you know, it's, I think we have approximately 23 staff at any given time. So it's not tiny, but in the world of, you know, a place like Philadelphia, where we have a lot of very large institutions, the Rosenbach is relatively small or a lean organization uh, that sort of expects big results and expects big public impact. So that means that each individual staff member has a pretty expansive and diverse portfolio. I am actually in a unique position at the Rosenbach in that my uh, professional position um, of associate curator reports in two different departments. Um, I spend most of my time with the collections department and a part of my time with the education department as well. So my work is usually divided between 
physical stewardship of collections and creating public programming that engages our audiences with our collections. So a typical day for me might involve some hands-on collections work with uh, with our registrar as we prepare, for example, at the moment for some building uh, restoration projects, uh, maybe doing some collections inventory in the morning, then you know, off to a meeting with my education and development colleagues in the afternoon to work on some public programs, then perhaps some afternoon research in, in our reading room, preparing uh, an exhibition script for a gallery show. So it's, very, it's a very physical job in the sense that we are engaging actively with collections on a regular basis. And it's a very intellectual job in that the, the, the task of curators is to steward the interpretation of our objects as well. Can you give us an idea of what the collection at the Rosenbach is like? Rosenbach, excuse me. So I've apparently been pronouncing the name of the museum incorrectly for years at this point. I went with Rosenbach, which is, of course, the more Germanic pronunciation. But Alex kindly told me it's the Rosenbach. Is that correct? Yes. And the, the, the reason we know this is because we have correspondence that our founder or our co-founder, Dr. A.S.W. Rosenbach, had exchanged with someone, I forget who at the moment, um, about the pronunciation of his of his name. And he indicated that it is pronounced Rosenbach. And my guess, my inference is that this was an intentional effort to make the name sound less Germanic in the early 20th century. Um, but, you know, of course, either pronunciation is probably perfectly acceptable. We on staff call it Rosenbach. I think I, before I interrupted you, I think I had asked you if you could tell us a bit more about the collection at the Rosenbach. Could you do that for us? Absolutely. Um, the Rosenbach's collection is um, amazing. It is surprisingly large and, and sort of expansive, given the fact that we are housed within two historic row homes in Philadelphia. Um, we... When we talk about the size of the collection, we usually say that we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 400,000 objects in our collection across all collecting areas. That includes you know, large, substantial, physically substantial pieces of art, furniture, and so on, down to you know, every sheet of paper in our archival collections. So it's a very diverse collection. And I'll give you a little bit of a sense of what some of the key strengths of our holdings are. We are perhaps most famous today uh, for our holdings in the literature of the British Isles. Uh, it's important to remember that Dr. Rosenbach and his brother Philip Rosenbach were some of the early to mid 20th century's most important dealers in rare books, manuscripts, as well as fine and decorative arts. So the collections that we have today represent both their um, personal collection and sort of the residue from their company stock at the time of their deaths. Um, one of the key areas that Dr. Rosenbach dealt in, in terms of rare books and manuscripts, was uh, British literature. And our Brit Lit collections today contain some of our real treasures. Um, for example, we are an important repository of, of the works of Robert Burns. We have an, an important Joseph Conrad collection. We are one of the major research centers in the world for Conrad studies. Probably our most famous single object in the Rosenbach's collection is the manuscript of James Joyce's iconic novel, Ulysses, which uh, happens to turn 100 this year in 2022. So we have a big exhibition now devoted to the study of Ulysses via our manuscript. But we, our collection is really much more expansive than British literature. Of the original 
collecting areas established by our founders, the largest collecting area was actually American history. Dr. Rosenbach was very interested in American political, social, cultural history and literary history. And I think because of his own, you know, he and his brother were important members of America's Jewish community in the early to mid 20th century. They had a very multicultural, multi-ethnic, multilingual outlook on the world. And this translated into a deep interest in the history of empire and the history of the expansion of the United States across the North American continent. So our American history collections are quite phenomenal. We have some very famous objects in that collection as well, including um, a copy of the Bay Psalm book, which is the first book uh, printed in what later became the United States of America. But our holdings are far more vast than that. We have important collections related to the history of New Spain and early independent Mexico, incredible collections of colonial and revolutionary American manuscripts, uh, all the way up through the Civil War. Our, civil, our U.S. Civil War collections are also very expansive. The Rosenbach holds important holdings in the areas of um, early American portraiture, uh, works of Gilbert Stewart and Thomas Sully, as well as a notable collection of furniture and other decorative arts. So we really are sort of a one-stop shop for re a remarkable look into history, literature, as well as the arts. What are things a person can do if they came to visit the Rosenbach Museum? Well, we pride ourselves at the Rosenbach uh, on being a place that goes to great lengths to make our collections as accessible as possible to all people. We have a very vibrant uh, research and reader services program, so anyone can make an appointment for free to come and view um, collections in our holdings if they so wish. But that's just one way to access uh, and enjoy our collections and our spaces. We offer regular uh, introductory historic house tours that will introduce you to the history of the Rosenbach brothers and the collections and take you upstairs to Dr. Rosenbach's personal library and give you a good introduction uh, to his collecting. But we also have uh, other kinds of programs. For example, our Behind the Bookcase hands-on tour program actually puts those objects from, from the bookcases and our other collect collection storage areas into the hands of visitors to page through historic books, uh, investigate historic manuscripts up close and personal. Those are very small uh, programs. There, I think we uh, cap attendance at 12 people for those programs. And they are led by experts on our staff who help you dive in to our holdings to learn more. We, we offer a wide variety of other public programs, uh, speakers, courses, and um, other offerings, which are available both virtually and in person. So I would invite anyone to, uh, who, who is interested in learning more about our, our offerings to check out our website, rosenback.org, and you'll get a good sense of the public programs uh, that we offer. Our hours and, uh, and sort of availability for, for various programs are of course still evolving as we hopefully come out of the COVID-19 pandemic. So checking the website is a good first step. Also seeing as uh, we're on a podcast today, I will just especially emphasize that the Rosenbach has a new podcast aptly named the Rosenbach podcast, which I host um, and is intended to give listeners a really good insight into both our collections and the work that we do to preserve them. So I would invite everyone to check out the Rosenbach podcast, which is available via most major podcast distribution platforms. And we can follow you on Instagram as well to learn more about the Rosenbach Museum and the podcast, right? 
Absolutely. We have a really vibrant social media platform. So check us out on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, and you will get a lot of good uh, updates about the various offerings that we have. And as I say, you know, I think if I may say, I'm, I'm very proud of the work that we do with the Rosenbach in that we, on, on perhaps in, in a way a little bit different from most other major research libraries, we see ourselves functioning uh, primarily you know, to, to make our holdings as available, as accessible to as many people as humanly possible. And, I, and that means that we have a lot of great opportunities for people to get involved with us. So um, you know, we always look forward to, to welcoming new visitors on site and online. And to turn back to you a little bit more specifically, what research are you doing right now? And does that involve some of the Rosenbach's materials? Yeah, great question. So my area of specialty uh, that I sort of developed prior to landing on the Rosenbach's doorstep um, is early American religious history. So I am particularly interested in um, the early settlers of the mid-Atlantic region. Uh, of what became the United States, especially uh, early southeastern Pennsylvania, and the German speakers who, who resided in this region and created very interesting um, illuminated manuscripts, is the best word to describe them, between approximately 1750 and 1850. And um, for many years, these manuscripts had been interpreted sort of as decorative folk art, uh, as, as you know, artifacts, antiques to hang on the wall and enjoy in a colonial revival home. And, you know, I not having any particular attachment to the region prior to, to moving here for graduate school, sort of was, so found myself asking really fundamental questions about these documents and specifically the texts on them, which are scriptural quotations and other religious devotional quotations, mostly traceable to the, the, the Protestant Reformation period. Um, my research has focused on reconceptualizing those documents as, um, as artifacts of religious life in early America that directly connect early American religious experience to what I call the long Protestant Reformation, um, extending through the period of German pietism in the 1600s and 1700s, and um, also showing how the European Baroque uh, aesthetic style really took root in early Pennsylvania and as the, the rest of quote unquote Western Europe uh, and English speaking America moved into you know, classicism. Um, so I was very fortunate to be able um, to publish a book uh, into, in 2020 with Penn State Press called The Word in the Wilderness, which focuses on this uh, topic. There are several Rosenbeck items that pop up uh, in, in that volume. I also drew heavily on the collections of the Free Library of Philadelphia Rare Book Department. Uh, the Free Library is sort of the affiliate institution of the Rosenbeck Museum and Library. Um, more specifically, thinking about research happening uh, at the Rosenbeck specifically you know, for Rosenbach projects coming up, um, you know, we really focus our efforts in, in the collections department on exhibitions research. And that is a process that is similar to um, the work that one would do if you're going to write an essay, write an article, write a book, but it's rather different in that the medium of delivery, of course, is very visual, it's immersive, it's object-based. And so um, I'm very excited because my, my uh, superior in the collections department, Judith Gustin, who is our curator and senior director of collections, and I are just embarking on 
what I hope will be a really transformational exhibition project uh, focused on early American history um, and really highlighting those collections in our holdings, which um, sometimes uh, don't get quite the attention that our uh, Britlet holdings do. So you know, we're always up to something in our, in, our, in our work at the Rosenbach to find new ways to showcase our collections to the world. Thanks for that. And a question I always like to ask people is, what recommendations would you have for someone who wanted to work in a museum like the Rosenbach? Thank you for asking that question because I, you know, I still, I, I still consider myself sort of a new professional and emerging professional um, who, who remembers well the dread of not knowing if I would be able to land a position in the world of cultural heritage, arts and humanities. Um, who remembers, you know, questioning if I had made the right decisions in terms of pursuing my passion in this area. And of course, now I look back knowing that it, it worked out, I was able to, to, to get a job that fits with my interests. Um, but I think what, what I would say to anyone thinking about wanting to enter this field is, I, I would have two pieces of, pieces of advice. One is don't stop following your passion and don't stop pursuing your happiness. You know, it's very easy to talk ourselves out of doing things that we want to do because it's our passion, because we think it's not practical. But the problem is, if you do that, you could end up with a very practical life, but a life that is also lacking in spiritual, intellectual, emotional nourishment. And so I think we have to, if you have a guiding star, if you have a passion, if you have something that you love that brings you joy in your life, you need to follow it. There's no other choice. You will regret it if you don't. So that's my piece of advice, number one. My second piece of advice, I hope is complimentary. And that is be crafty and strategic about how you pursue it. And what I mean by that is, especially if it is your goal to get a job in what, what, what I will just call you know, the, the um, arts and humanities nonprofit sector, or aligned areas um, you know, in the academy, in auction houses, that sort of thing, you really have to think creatively about what your skill sets are and how they could fit into that world. Um, you know, if, if it is primarily your goal to work for an organization like this in any kind of capacity, and you would be happy in an administrative role, you would be happy in a um, non-collections-based role, you know, then you should be exploring op opportunities in areas like marketing, communications, uh, digital media, development, fundraising, events planning, programs planning, nonprofit governance. You know, those are the areas that I think have the highest constant demand for new talent. You know, unfortunately, um, collections positions and sort of the um, content-based positions, those can be very difficult to land because there are a lot of people who want them and there aren't that many openings, uh, generally speaking at this moment, in, you know, so, so far as I can tell. And so my advice would be um, thinking about those two components simultaneously, you know, hold on to that internal discernment of what brings you joy, but then figure out how can I apply this in, in the real world economy that exists right now. And if, if, if you really know yourself, know what your talents are um, and have a good, have your finger on the pulse of the, of the field, then opportunities await. I really believe it. 
Thank you. Is there anything else you want us to know about you, what you do, or the Rosenbach before we end? Well, I will just uh, share with all of all of your listeners that we are currently launching work this summer on season two of the Rosenbach podcast, which is going to be very exciting. The title of the season is History Behind the Scenes. And the conceit of the season will be uh, bringing our listeners into our work in the collections department as we engage in various preservation activities and also um, showing off our uh, American history collections and welcoming people into that area of our holdings. That season should probably be dropping sometime this coming winter. Um, so I would, I would urge you, if you haven't yet listened to season one of the Rosenbach podcast, Check that out. Watch our video teaser trailer on YouTube. Listen to some of the episodes and then uh, get, get excited for season two of the podcast because we have a lot of exciting uh, stories to share with you in the very near future. Well, thank you so much for coming today. Again, I am Heather Darcy. This is the Hands-On History segment of Tudor's Dynasty podcast. And I am joined by Alexander Ames, Associate Curator of the Rosenbach Museum and Library. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.